My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. Well, folks, success just keeps grabbing hold of our little broadcast here. Only the other week we were hawking tiny toenail clippers. You know, the ones for big men with dainty feet. Sold faster than coronavirus vaccine. That's how well our advertisement captured the public's imagination. We would have run more ads for them, too, if the Cambodian authorities hadn't shut down their factory in Phnom Penh. Human rights violations or the like, or so claimed some general over there. Must be a bunch of old ladies running their police, I guess. But never mind. The Ballyhoo proved so lucrative that we here at Farm Wisdom have landed us another sponsor. And a fine one, too, I don't mind saying. For it's none other than... Wait for it. That storied American health product, Boyle's Castor Oil. That's right, ladies and gentlemen... Boils CO, the answer to nature's clogs, like a drain weasel for your insides. And if that doesn't sell you, just wait until you hear the full advertisement, because I am about to entreat your patronage so strongly, resistance to my supplication will prove futile. I am to perform a little playlet, see, that you might understand the importance of castor oil in maintaining the peace and productivity of your home. Moreover, I will be playing not one, but two parts in our commercial. That's right. I will be assaying the role of a grown-up man, whom we'll call the daddy. And, hold on to your hats, folks, I will also be playing his offspring, a nine-year-old we'll call... Well, we'll call him Egbert, for no better reason than, had I a son, that's the moniker I'd have pinned on him. And yes, I can guess what you're thinking. You're thinking, Farmer Gray, I'm skeptical. I believe only a trained actor could possibly have the range to play two such diverse characters. Perhaps if Lord Olivier or Jim Varney were still alive, they could meet the challenge. But you, you are just a simple man of the plow. Well, that's quite true, friends. I have no thespic training, but yours truly is, nonetheless... A natural mimic. Why, I can impersonate every barnyard animal. The rooster, cock-a-doodle-doo, see? And the hen, cluck, cluck, cluck. So lifelike I could almost lay an egg. And just listen to my cow. Moo. Hear that? Moo. Bet you just want to step right up and milk me. And if I can replicate those non-human tongues... Why, I surely have it in me to portray just about anybody. So listen up and let me paint a picture with words. Imagine, if you will, a simple farmhouse, weather-beaten but steadfast against the elements. Inside the whitewashed country kitchen, father confronts son. To wit, he says, Egbert? Egbert, he says, I see that your chores have not been done. The leaves have not been raked, the porch has not been swept, and the garden weeds remain unextracted. These are but... Oh, by the way, folks, that was me doing the father's voice just now. I know, so sharp was my characterization and changed was my delivery that you were no doubt asking, 
Where did Farmer Gray go, and who is that speaking in his place? But it was me all along. Anyway, to continue, the father says, he says, These are but simple tasks designed to teach you responsibility, and yet you have shirked. Why, my dear scion, do you abnegate your responsibilities? And the boy, he replies, Now remember, folks, it's still me, even though you'll think you're hearing a genuine talk. So the son replies, I care not for these duties, for they are as onerous as the twelve labors of Hercules. What, says the daddy, you compare your minor household obligations to the persecution of the demigod by King Eurystheus? That's right, says the boy. Well, says the daddy, your disobedience lends itself to just one conclusion, that we should abandon this dirt farm, says Egbert, and move to the city. No, says the daddy, it bespeaks nothing less than an intestinal irregularity, one that has rendered you peevishly recalcitrant. You barely finished high school, says the boy, and yet consider yourself qualified to proffer a gastroenterological diagnosis? Your querulous words themselves attest to my appraisal, says the daddy, and in yonder cabinet lies the cure. And what might that be, questions Egbert. Why, nothing less, replies the daddy, than that tried-and-true American tonic known as Boyle's Castor Oil. I'll just fetch the bottle, unscrew the cap, and pour a dose into this teaspoon here. Now, son, just gulp this down. Oh, daddy, says Egbert, that oil is bitter as a winter night. Just shows it's working, son, says Papa, just shows it's working. And in short order, ladies and gentlemen, the boy does indeed feel the powerful magic that is Boyle's castor oil. Just a single dose, and he's soon... (laughs) Right as rain. Oh, Daddy, says Egbert, flying into the kitchen on winged feet. My intestines aren't lazy, and neither am I. Fact, I'm just itching to tear through my chores. Why, I even crave extra ones, so filled am I with vim and vigor. With that, a proud tear forms in Daddy's eye, for as the prodigal son returned to the fold, so has his boy's true spirit. Thank you, Boyle's Castor Oil, says he, his voice breaking. Thank you. Boyle's Castor Oil, it'll fill you full of pep. Though bitter as a winter puts a spring into your step. Good as airy tonic and superior to most. So if your boys are calcitrant, administer a dose. Here's coronavirus, too. I've received some queries of late. Ari, my beloved spouse, Elspeth, and whether or not she's still ensconced in the storm cellar, fearful of nuclear aggression from North Korea. The short answer is yes. And the long answer is... Well, that's still yes, because no two ways about it, she remains in hiding, thoroughly convinced this Kim Jong fella has a passel of rockets aimed squarely at Trouveau. In her mind's eye, she sees the barber shop, the grocery store, the seed co-op, the auto parts store off 315, and even the Shoney's far away as Zare County being incinerated in a big mushroom cloud all courtesy of that chubby little man with the funny haircut setting across the demilitarized zone. 
I figured once our great president, Donald J. Trump, had met with that gent and used his preternatural deal-making powers to resolve the situation, my better half would ascend those cellar steps and rejoin our daily Mid-South lives. But she remains unconvinced, perhaps because she's been underground these four years now, before she could be exposed to the calming reassurance of the Trump presidency and all the security that engenders. But rest assured, dear listeners, I've done my level best to draw her out of her self-styled sanctuary. Took a note from that long-ago flicker, the E.T., from back when Trouveau still had a moving picture theater. Best as I recall, the very young protagonist of that photo play lured the unwholesome-looking spaceman from his readout via little candies placed along the path. Well, not that I'm accustomed to simulating the antics of some celluloid yarn spun in communist fornia, but so desperate was your farmer Gray, he mimicked the apologue of alien invasion with a plan of his own. To wit, I formulated a scheme to beguile Elspeth from her refuge by strewing the path to accelerant house with all those things ladies love best. Two oven mitts, a strainer, dishwashing soap, a scrub brush, a bathroom plunger, various sponges, a floor mop, and a box of laundry detergent all lined the path back to our kitchen. I then threw wide the cellar door, banging an aluminum soup pot with a steel ladle and vociferating, Oblations for my beloved, lanyaps for my inamorata, favors for your perlustration, my inestimable treasure. And, oh, dear friends, didn't I but hear stirrings from the caglinosity of my darling's retreat. Footfalls, and then a figure at the base of the steps, that heart-shaped face with the defiant chin peering upward into daylight, eyes blinking against the sun's rays. Oh, husband, called she, why do you importune me so? Have you come to apprise me of capitulation by the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, a.k.a. the North Korean autocracy? Or do you merely seek mu liberal companionship in these, our final hours before nuclear annihilation? I have come, says I, to draw you from concealment with baubles of feminine avidity that I might inspirit a peregrination back to hearth and home. It is true, says Elspeth, that I pine for those household contrivances, the mixer, the blender, the oven mitt, and my set of stainless steel kitchen knives, for they provoke keen ardor in all righteous women. But I must be absolute and resolute, for when Kim Jong-un unleashes his armaments against our beloved Union, those who have been steadfast, who secured their own survival, will be tasked with rebuilding our grand republic into a beacon of Christian democracy. O oh, Elspeth, my precious bride, says I, what I took to be mere female presentiment, I now perceive as courage adjunct to your ingenerate metal. Forgive me, darling helpmate, for I lack the sagacity to understand your true animus. But as I apprised you in June 2018, our current president has clipped Kim's wings and rendered him bootless. I wish not to demur, says she, but this Kim, he's a vulpine despot, 
and the hazards of cacology are too ghastly to divigate from my stratagem. Clearly, dear listeners, Elspeth was intractable in her dialectic, undeterred by my remonstrations. So it was that I closed the door to our storm cellar and collected the oven mitts, the strainer, the plunger, and all the other bric-a-brac so esteemed by every right-thinking gal. Sad I was, but somewhat buoyed by the thought that, should it be that my Elspeth has correctly anticipated the impulsions of North Korea, she would doubtlessly lead a veritable salvation army across those nuclear-devastated plains. There she'd re-establish U.S. hegemony and turn a smoldering wasteland into Eden Redux. I'm proud of her already. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. (laughs) 